Welcome to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, professional fractional CMO for B2B companies and host of the podcast. I'm deeply committed to transforming the world through technology, one company at a time. So stick with me until the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest with just 15 to 20 minutes of your time. I'm glad you're here. Hello, everyone. We are back with the CEO and Founder Magic podcast. I am thrilled today to have Chappelle Ryan with me. And Chappelle, if you could just introduce yourself and tell a little bit about your company, that would be great. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Sheila, for having me on. I'm um, excited to speak today um, about a little bit of my journey because I think it's kind of unique in uh, the CEO journeys that I've heard as shared on the podcast. Um, myself, I come from a private equity background prior to Workbrite. And um, one of the things while I was there, I was with a wonderful group uh, running marketing departments for a large portfolio of private equity groups. And um, that was a really unique experience. But one thing that I found out of that was that these founders that were coming in from these startups had a spark uh, that I felt like I was missing in my work of just trying to grow businesses at a certain scale, ultimately to resell and do the, do the things that private equity is really made to do. Um, so I, I started looking for a startup that I really uh, believed in. And there were two key things that I was looking for. And and I'm getting to what the business is through this journey. Um, you know, the first one was a really great product market fit. You know, is the solution solving a real pain? And the second one, which is equally as important when we think about startups, is who is the founder that's behind it, right? I think there's just a real magic in the founders. Have they done this before? Do they know what they're up against? Do they know the pivots to make? And so I kind of started on my search and I found Workbrite. Um, at the time, it was called All for Staff. They had just been through the Techstars program and I was actually hire number five. And uh, when I think about those two factors, it was A, a product market fit. So Workbrite uh, does new hire paperwork. Uh, we are an onboarding SaaS solution, B2B. And our bread and butter is 4My9, which anybody who's listening to this podcast who runs a business understands that every employee has to complete 4My9 and it's incre incredibly burdensome for employers, highly regulated, uh, fines and audits associated with this one form. So it was solving a really acute pain that I knew was universally shared and had a large TAM, of course, because every employee in the U.S. has to fill that out. So I'm we're having, quite, I'm having some issues with mine today, in fact. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about virtual review and everything that's happening there later in the podcast. Um, so, you know, uh, Workbrite solved that first check mark for me of really solving a pain for customers. And then the second one was a founder. Um, I am not the original founder of Workbrite. Our founder is a, a, a gentleman named Dave Secunda, and he had done this multiple times. This was, I think, his fourth or fifth startup, um, really understood that how we do things is as important as what we do and was really focused on the people and the culture that he was creating in this startup as much as hitting revenue targets as we grew. So uh, Workbrite checked both of those boxes for me. And I started in 2015, um, was leading the marketing department through there, eventually went to director of growth and then went to COO when we implemented EOS. So uh, for those in your audience that are familiar, entrepreneurial operating system uh, really speaks to my heart. I am a, a systems and an integrator. And so uh, we had that visionary integrator relationship. And as we passed key milestone uh, revenue markers, 
it became clear that it was time for more of the operator to take over the business to get us to that scale, that next level that was set on systems and structure, where founders are traditionally really excited about vision and these new innovative things. So at the start of this year, our founder moved to our executive chair and appointed me as a CEO to kind of take us to that next stage of growth. Congratulations. It's exciting. Yeah, thank you. It's been um, a really interesting challenge, even though we've been talking about the transition for a number of years, it has been even more than I thought it would be in transitioning from that COO to the CEO and the integrator to the visionary for sure. And so you had said before we got on the podcast that it it, it didn't go kind of the way you thought it would go. How is it different? Yeah. Or, or what did you think it was going to be and how is it different? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things. The first one that stands out is there's a heck of a lot more HR than I <laughs> was possibly prepared to do. Um, I'm only about nine months in and going to be bringing HR in-house at the start of the year to help support some of that. And um, just realizing how much of the CEO role is HR if you don't have someone in there full-time to support you has been a big transition. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, probably the thing that's more impactful and resonating with uh, audiences of other business members is um, I had a, I'm going to say this nicely, I had a judgment of these visionary founders that would come in with what can otherwise be referred to as shiny object syndrome, right? Where they have this new idea and then it uplifts everything. And, and as an operator, someone who really thrives in systems and structures, and I want to stick to my roadmap and I want to move things, uh, there was certainly a judgment on that. And as our visionary has stepped out and I've had to fill some of those roles, I've really gained a appreciation and understanding of why you need that person that is constantly pushing the gas pedal in certain areas, right? Uh, it would be so easy and in my nature to sit in our backlog of feature development for years right. until we ticked everything off. Uh, but to really grow and scale a business in general- as, quickly as you need to. hybrid SaaS business as quickly as you need to. You really need that innovative thinking of what's next and what are we going to do that's going to be in the marketplace, that's going to differentiate us, that's going to push us forward. Mm -hmm. And so I have had to very quickly um, develop some of those skills, not just myself, but call in people that have that more naturally than me and build that team um, around me that is going to push us and is going to bring new ideas and brainstorming into that because- um, this that's really in this CEO role, what we need is someone that's going to be innovating and, and constantly creating the next thing. That's very insightful that you had that self-awareness about that. Um, what caused you to stop and say, hey, I, I, I'm, I need to be different in this role? Yeah, um, well, the first thing is I have had incredible mentorship from that founder early on. And um, he, about a year and a half ago, really had me invest in my personal network um, mm -hmm. and forum groups have been transformational for me. I um, especially like that saying, it's lonely at the top. It is true. And having other people around me that are um, in similar positions that are innovating, that are talking about the challenges of competing priorities within the business and how they're navigating that and getting inspiration from other individuals that are out there innovating um, has been really helpful. And then coming up on those key pivot points in the business where we're saying, okay, this model, because um, this is where I'm strong, right? Like this channel can do this amount and this channel can do this amount. And then getting to the, okay, but it's not enough, what's next? And looking around the room and saying, 
well, who's deciding what's next now? Oh, it's me. <laughs> and if it doesn't come naturally, how do we bring people into that process that can help push us in that area? Um, and I had to be really deliberate about carving out time in my calendar to do that big thought work. That especially was, because it doesn't come naturally, right? Especially because it doesn't come naturally. I have to, you know, we have a couple of initiatives like Fridays, no internal meetings. And I need to block off time on my calendar and close down Slack and not be operational and make space to be creative um, to get these things moving forward. And I'm getting more comfortable at it, but I think I still have a lot of growth there. Um, and really, I think that's so, so insightful and probably one of the best things that's ever been shared on the podcast. I have mm-hmm. a, a business coach who, who taught me this concept of thinking time. And if you don't create thinking time every week, then and even just ask yourself questions like, what am I not seeing? Yeah. Like, what am I not seeing in the market? What am I not seeing with my team? What I'm not seeing with my product? Um, He has this list of like 200 questions that you could ask yourself during this thinking time. And it's so powerful. I think it's one of the most important things as a CEO that we have to do, which is to be self-reflective, to to really schedule our days in such a way that we can do all the parts of the job and be flexible to know that we might not be the best person in some parts of the job and we have to get better at it. I think those are all such important, powerful things that you're sharing that are true for all of us in this role. Um, so I'm I'm thrilled that you're here. So tell us a little bit about your company and what problems you solve. Right. Yes. And I'd love to see that list. If you get a chance, I um, am constantly yeah. in this area. So share it over, maybe even on the podcast for other people as well that need the push there. Um, right. So like I said, Workbright is uh, in the new hire paperwork business, onboarding of new employees. We really focus on speed and throughput of paperwork. And I don't think of this just as an opportunity for uh, businesses to get employees in more quickly. It really is becoming a differentiator in securing talent. So one thing that's unique about Workbright is that we can embed our solution into a lot of these organizations that are out there in the gig economy, in large staffing businesses, where you can go all the way from application through your entire paperwork process, including for my nine section two work authorization, which I could spend down a whole rabbit hole on. You can complete all that paperwork in one workflow and get to your time and scheduling on the other end. The ability for an employee to complete that process all the way through in under 60 minutes is going to secure that worker in some of the most um, interesting industries that are competing for that talent, right? So home sure. health is a huge vertical for us. Staffing is a huge vertical, gig economy, where they really need to get people through the paperwork process all the way to the time and scheduling so that that employee feels like, okay, I'm done, I have that, and they're not out applying to 100 different jobs that are going to move right. into the paperwork process faster. Right. And those are the folks who who tend to think this is all easy and it should happen very, very fast because they're used to working on Upwork or wherever that is, right. um, where where it's kind of automated. And traditional companies don't do it that way. And it takes days and weeks, right? Yeah. And that is really where the product was born. Um, like I said, my founder has started multiple other businesses. One of those is a summer camp business and they had 10 year round staff and 250 that they had to hire at each camp location in the course of two weeks to get going for camp. My gosh, yeah. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about best in class versus best in suite, which is a common problem in HR tech. We are definitely that best in class provider around 4My9. 
there are suite solutions, payroll providers that have these onboarding tools in them that are sufficient for workers that are doing ones and twos and come in on that first day. But if what you really want to do is hire a lot of people, we start like over 100 employees per year. Um, mm -hmm. If you have a diverse workforce that needs different paperwork needs sent, uh, if you have a distributed workforce where they don't all come into a central HR office, some of these unique challenges around completing paperwork, that's where a best-in-class solution provider like Workbrite is going to keep you compliant. Of course, security is a huge issue with the type of PII that we deal with. So compliant, secure, and speed and throughput are kind of our four north stars that we look for for completing paperwork for new employees. That's awesome. And yeah. I'm assuming you connect with all kinds of applicant tracking systems and payroll systems and yeah, we, Yeah, we have a number of out-of-the-box integrations, but what we're really finding as a differentiator, uh, especially as we move more into the enterprise space, is a very strong API with that embedded workflow. So everyone has a little bit of something different within their HR tech stack of how they want things to flow. And so even though we have like the ADP Workforce Now integration and uh, some Google SSO and another auth authorized um, methodologies for provisioning and deprovisioning that are out of the box. We do find that uh, these really smart HR professionals that are pushing the lever on uh, applicant flow want unique setups for those APIs, and we can accommodate all of those with really strong um, integrations as well. That's fantastic. Well, Chappelle, it's been just a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Such great insights as somebody who moved into the CEO role and such great self-awareness self about what you need to continue to take the company to the next level. So such a pleasure having you here. If our listeners, if any of them want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, thank you, Sheila. It's been a pleasure on mine as well. Um, you can certainly check us out at uh, www.workbright.com. It's B-R-I-G-H-T.com. And then if you want to reach out to me individually, uh, it's Chappelle, which is a tough name, I know. It's C-H-A-P-E-L-L-E -L -L -E at workbright.com. And I'd love to connect and, and hear more and see if we can help um, with any of your 4 my 9 needs. Great. Well, Chappelle, thank you again for being on the podcast and sharing your insights. Until then, we'll Bye. talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. If you felt like this podcast interview captured your story, would you share it on social media? It's easy. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social account. Be sure to use hashtag CEO founder magic and tag anyone you think would be a great guest. I love to see your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to be sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe and we'll be excited to have you listen. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. And if you know of other business-to-business -business company CEOs who have compelling stories and who might like to be on this program as well, please visit keo.bz slash book today. That's keo.bz slash book today. And if you want to know more about our fractional CMO program, just go to our website, do a, a search on services for fractional CMO or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at KEO Marketing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, and it's been a pleasure having you on CEO and Founder Magic.